love that last verse. It says, but God who called me here below. Do you believe that he called you right where you're at? Do you believe he called you where you're at? In the place that you are, there's no greater place to be than where he's called you to be.
you and I were on two different before the throne of God above I have a strong
my time has come, still my soul will sing your praise myself singing this song this week. Is he worthy? Do we believe it? Do we believe that he is worthy of all the honor, the praise, the sacrifice? Is he worth giving up everything in this world for? Or do we hold on thinking that maybe we can find some satisfaction in something here? Is he worthy? Does our God intend 
be seated. I'm not sure who has children's class this morning. Phil does. Okay. Okay, the children can come forward. Today, I'm going to start by giving you each something to help you remember this story or this lesson by. Can you go ahead and take one? Just go ahead and pick one out. There you go. And I'll tell you a little secret about these and where I got them. It's like a little keychain on it. Hey, for those of you big children, they look like this. Can someone tell me what this resembles? What, what does it look like? A teapot. A teapot? Well, that's true. It kind of does, actually. That shows how modern you are, huh? <gasps> that's right. Yes, Caleb. Yeah. Yes, in the Bible times, very well. That's right. What would they put in these? Does anyone know? No? Yes, Caleb. No? What would they put in first to light the fire? What kept the fire lit? You're close. Oil. They had a certain kind of oil that they would put in this that would burn. And it would burn just like a little candlestick. The flame would come right out the top here. And if they wanted to light a lamp in the house, they didn't have electricity where they could turn on a light switch. Oh, here, Denzel. You can have that one. Unless you want another one in here. It doesn't matter. You can sit there. And that's how they would give light to the house. Now, I'll tell you... Um, where I got these from was a gift. So these are a gift to you. I've been waiting quite a long time to give these to you. Just praying about when a good time would be for me to tell you this. So there's a young lady in Australia who had a children's lesson when I was there in April. And she did exactly this. She gave these to each one of the little children. And she told them this story. And afterwards, she came to me with this box of these little handmade, and these are handmade. And I'm not sure where she got them. As it was in one uh, Asian country, either Indonesia or some, some country like that, that she was from, where they handmade these. And she said, would you give these to your children in church sometime and give them this story? And I said, yes, I would do that. So... You can thank this young lady from Australia for this little gift that comes from East Asia somewhere where they handmade them. Here's the story. Jesus told us this story. Can you imagine being a, a child your age and instead of Phil telling you a story, Jesus tells you this story. Let's listen. Then the kingdom of heaven will be compared to ten virgins who took their lamps, everybody take their lamp, 
Hold it out in your hand. Who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. It was a wedding day. And five of them were foolish. So I need to have five volunteers. Okay? Five of you. You sit over here. You go over there and sit over there. Just five of you. Five foolish ones of you. Okay, we need one more foolish volunteer. Okay, you go. Sit over there. There you go. Five. And five were prudent. So we'll have more than five, all right? So you guys can scooch over here. You're the wise virgins. You want to go this side? Hold your lamps. Everybody hold your lamps out. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. They took the lamp that had just a little bit of oil. How much oil do you think that would hold? Just a little bit. How long do you think it would burn if you lit it? Maybe an hour. I don't know. Yeah. But the prudent took oil in flasks along with their lamps. They thought about what made these wise. Over here is you took extra oil that would last you for the whole night. But you only took enough that was in your lamp. Now, when, while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. Everybody lay down. Put your heads down and close your eyes. Pretend you're sleeping. Everybody's sleeping. But at midnight, there was a shout. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Come out to meet him. Everybody come. Come. The bridegroom's coming. Everybody come. Come up here. Okay. Then all the ro- all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. Hold your lamps out. Are they still burning? <gasps> some are burning and some are not. What is with your lamps? They went out. And the foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Okay, you tell them, Give us some oil. But the prudent answered, saying, No. You tell them, No. For there will not be enough for us both. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. Okay, you go back there and you buy some oil from Steve. You buy foolish people. (laughs) Yeah, you're the prudent. You were with this group. (laughs) Okay. You guys, not yet, not yet. You stay there, just these guys. Come, we're gonna go inside. The bridegroom is coming. Come, go back in there. Okay, now we're gonna shut the door. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. And later, the other virgins also came saying, Lord, open up to us. Okay, you guys come. Knock on this. Pretend this is the door. Say, Lord, open up to us. Lord, open up to us. I've got to find my Bible page. It went away. Okay, say it again. 
But he answered and said, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day or the hour. Okay, you can come. So Jesus told us this story. You can all sit back down here again. That's the end of the story, by the way. That was Jesus was a short storyteller. Do you ever think about how short his stories were sometimes? That was the end of the story. Oh, a little bit more than one second. Maybe a few minutes. Yeah, maybe. Some of them were a little longer than others. Do you think the children remembered this story? Maybe not. Do you think you might remember this story? Yeah. My guess is the children remembered the story. I think I would have remembered if I would have sat there with Jesus. And he would have said that story. What do you think you're going to remember from this story? What was Jesus telling people to do? To do what with this? Yes, to have oil in it. But what made the five wise and the other five foolish? That's right. They brought extra oil so that their lamp would never go out. And so they were ready. When Jesus came, when the bridegroom came, they were all there ready. The others had gone into town to try to find more oil. Can, can you guess what the oil is that Jesus was talking about? What was, what's the oil that he was telling us that we should have? Yes, Caden. God's word, okay. Special oil. It is special oil. It's this is this is not oil, but it could hold a little bit of oil. But the oil that Jesus was talking about was the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Having yes, God's word. Jesus said, "If you abide in my word, my word abide in you." That's really important. We have to have God's word in our hearts with the Holy Spirit. Obeying God's word. And then we'll be ready when Jesus comes back. But if Jesus puts his words into our heart and the Holy Spirit into our heart, and then we fall asleep and we get busy and we fill our hearts with all kinds of other things. Jesus said in another place, you can fill your heart with stress, worry, all kinds of worries about life. Or you can fill your heart with money and begin to put lots of money there, the love of money there. Or you can fill your heart with other, the love for other things. Then the oil slowly goes out. So the lesson today is, whenever you look at this, remember Jesus' story. No one wants to be a foolish virgin, right? No, we don't want Jesus to shut the door on us and say, go away. We want to go in the door with Jesus. And Jesus said, the next verse, he said, so be ready because you don't know when Jesus is going to come for you. This week, a 16-year-old girl was just driving down the road and the Lord Jesus came for her. In a second or a moment, she was gone to meet Jesus. She didn't know that she was going to meet Jesus this week. And that's how it is. Jesus said, you don't know the hour 
You don't know the moment when I'm going to come for you. So have your lamp ready in my word and let my spirit fill you so that you're always ready. All right, you may go back. Thank you, Phil, for that lesson for the kids, for all of us, actually. And Carrie, Sarah, Brandon, thank you for leading our worship time this morning. That was special, and I believe the Lord is here and is pleased of our worship to him this morning. For a few announcements, uh, first of all, welcome to each of you visitors. We have quite a few here this morning. Thank you for being here and joining in with us. Pray that you'll be able to worship and to hear from the Lord with us this morning. We have a lunch plan after the service, and so please stay and enjoy that with us and enjoy that time of fellowship as well. We don't take an offering in the church here, but if the Lord has blessed you and you want to give, we do have a box on the back wall that you can uh, contribute to. And we don't have any paid staff on the church here. Everybody is volunteers, so whatever you choose to give will go directly to the work of the church. We have a special guest speaker here this morning, and uh, I believe you all are going to enjoy listening to him from from uh, what I've heard about him. So uh, I, I think you're going to enjoy that. But I'm going to let Carrie introduce him and pray for him, and we'll turn that over to him. I'm not good at introductions, but I'll do my best. Um, As many of you know, we were in Thailand this past February as a family, and uh, some mutual friends of ours, well, a guy that I actually lived in Thailand with way back when I was 18 years old, told me about them, and and I was like, okay. Um, Sometimes I'm a little hesitant when you hear from other people about other people, you know, and they highly... Uh, recommend them, then I right away drop down a couple levels and go, yeah, maybe not. But um, so I was, I don't know how to say it, maybe a little apprehensive meeting you guys. Like I didn't know who you guys were or anything. And um, so they, I don't think Mary Ellen has ever met a stranger in her life. Um, She, I think everybody's your friend before you ever met him. You remind me of my dad. My dad said he never met a stranger. He's just friends he hadn't met yet. And I think that's very much what you guys are. And so, yeah, we got to meet them over there and really enjoyed our time with them and enjoyed the fellowship that we had with them. And then they came back here to the States, and I was determined to get them here because I was like, or I was going to go see them in Pennsylvania, one or the other. But I'm so glad that they decided to come here and spend a couple of days with us and to share, again, of what God is doing in Thailand and what his ministry there is and some of what God is doing. And I know you guys heard a lot about Thailand from me, but um, I know that God has more to share through Lloyd this morning in this, and I just uh, just pray that you guys would open your hearts in uh, to see what God is doing. I think sometimes we can really see what God is doing in amongst us right here, or in ourselves. I know I get sometimes I get so caught up in what God is doing in me or what He's working on in me that I forget about what is going on in the broader world around us. That God is really at work. 
And I think sometimes we just, we forget that. And I, I think this will be a reminder again this morning of what God is doing, even though it's halfway around the world. It's the same God. It's the same Lord Jesus Christ. It's the same Holy Spirit dwelling within each one of us. And that is the work he is carrying out. So, Lloyd, if you want to come up, I'll pray for you, and then um, I'll turn the time over to you. Heavenly Father, I just come before you this morning, Lord. Thank you so much for my brother, and thank you for his willingness to come and to speak, Lord. And I just pray that you would anoint him with your Holy Spirit, and Lord, that the words he says would not be of his own uh, cunning or cleverness or the right things to say that tickle our ears, but Lord, it would be of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the Holy Spirit speaking through him. And Lord, I just pray that we would open our hearts and know you this morning in a new way and see the work that you are doing globally and for the work of the body of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that we would together keep our lamps trimmed and Lord, we would be ready for the calling of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. some of that this morning, but the second thing that we're really excited about is having a family come over and join in the work that God has in Thailand, Um, and so there's multiple reasons for us to be excited this morning. Uh, When I reflect back 11 years ago, or it would have been more like 11 and a half years ago, when we were in sort of the same situation that, that... Carrie and your family are in and preparing to go, Uh, when I look back at that, I get excited um, because there was a unique, it was a unique time for us as a family and any time that God puts you into a position that that you don't know exactly what tomorrow looks like or you're not 100% sure that what you're doing is even making sense in society as a whole, that's a great time for God to work. And I think that's where you're at. That's where we were at um, 11 years ago, 11 and a half. We, we moved in January of 2013 to Thailand. Um, and leading up to that, uh, we had I was a pastor at New Covenant there in Lancaster County, um, and we had a, a business that we were running at the time. And so as we looked at all of that, uh, and as we were trying to sort through what God was saying, and, and believe me, faith is a beautiful aspect of the Christian walk. In fact, without it, you can't please him. Uh, and, and But faith does not mean that you have all your ducks lined up, that you know exactly how it's going to work. In fact, it means the exact opposite of that. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that today because faith is a huge part of the Christian walk. You can't please him without it. 
And if that's the case, then faith should be pursued by us. Because one of our greatest desires is to please our maker, or the Lord of the universe. The one that is going to sustain us here on this earth and in eternity. Which is a beautiful thing. But anyway, as, you, as we were walking through that, and my heart goes out to you as a family because it is an exciting time and yet sometimes it makes you nervous. It makes you uneasy. It makes you say, oh, I don't know about this. This is craziness. I know exactly the, the highs and lows that you guys are, are experiencing. We felt that. And I want to come around here to the church and say, you have a major part to play in this process. You as individuals who are not necessarily going to Thailand, but are close to them, have a major part to play in this. Because they are needing individuals to lift up their arms in this process and to allow them to process what God is saying in the midst of it. I can tell them with 100% certainty that what they envision now will be different in five years from now from what they experience. And they're going to need somebody to gird them, to under come around them and underneath them and hold them up. Because they are going through a difficult uh, time, even though it is exciting. I can guarantee that. And you as a family here, you as a, uh, the body of Christ here, have a unique opportunity to actually step beside them and, and hold them up in whatever means you have um, given to you. You have talents that you can pass along, that'll help. You have, um, you have experiences that you can pass along and help. And I challenge you to come around them as a body rather than allowing them to, uh, to find their own way through life. That's what church is about. That's what sustained us when we went. Oh, it was exciting, and it continues to be exciting. But in the midst of building your faith, you need difficulty. That's a part of it. It's not, yes, we live in a fallen world. But God understood that in the midst of fallen world, for you and I to be successful, we need to exercise our muscles. We need to exercise our beliefs. And the way you do that is not by walk in the rose field, you know, and smelling the roses. It's actually by doing difficult things. And what they are doing is not easy. They're leaving what they all have, what they have known all their life. And suddenly, packing up and going to the opposite side of the world, pursuing what God has called them to. And I bless you guys in doing so. One of, the, one of the things, and I just want to give an overview a little bit of Thailand. Um, 
something that we never fully understood, and I don't think today yet completely can grasp um, the real the realization that there are a large number of people that don't know Jesus. And when I say don't know Jesus, it's not a personal inner relationship. No, they don't even know what Jesus means. They don't know what Christianity means. They don't have any concept of God himself. Now, I say that to say we are all drawn towards, you know, some kind of worship, some kind of God. And so there is within all of mankind this desire. Um, but we meet people all the time in Thailand who actually have no idea that Jesus is some kind of um, God uh, figure that uh, is to be worshipped. They they don't understand. Oh, you come from the West. Okay, yeah, Christianity may be in their minds, but often not even that. But when you ask them, do they know Jesus? Have they heard of Jesus? And there's a blank face in response. And it's simply they do they have never heard the name Jesus in any kind of context of religion, much less as a personal savior. And it's appalling when you really sit down and think about the difference of our background, being raised in a Christian home, in a Christian community, largely relating to Christians, and being put into those spots. So again, I bless them for pursuing that calling. God wants us to make the nations know his name. He wants all peoples, in fact, all peoples will be represented in heaven. And he's asking you and I to lift up and go do that in the Great Commission. They're in Matthew 28 or in, or in Acts 1. But again, as we do that, as we interact with him, and as Christ is with us in the nations, our faith is built. And it's actually in those situations that we can build a relationship with Christ that will not happen outside of difficulty. And so I bless you. And I would say uh, your family needs to continue to see what is God saying. Moving to Thailand is a part of it at this point. And, but where you're going to live, how you're going to relate, all of that, you've got lots of ideas, but continue to pursue him. Those ideas are great. He designed you and I to actually want to improve. We are designed like he is in the sense that we are inventors. We are creators. 
We like to create things. Not to the extent that he can. He creates from nothing. Suddenly he speaks and it happens. You and I can't do that, but you and I are designed. because You and I can't do that because we're not God. But you and I are designed in his image to still create. To love to create. To go out and make something better. And I would challenge us to create things for eternity. Because that's where it matters. You and I can enjoy the garden. And, there's, and I love uh, plant life. Um, I love, you know, seeing, um, uh, uh, beautifying a landscaped area. Uh, in fact, I was a builder years ago. And so to create a, a home and then put landscaping to it and all of that was something I loved. It, 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 was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed my job or my business. And in that, God again gave me the freedom to create. That was beautiful. But that is only going to last the small amount of time that we're on this earth, which may be a hundred years at best, instead of millions of years in eternity. And when I looked at that, and uh, again, going back to a bit of our journey, um, as a pastor, I loved uh, interaction ministry that was happening uh, in our community. Uh, when we sensed the call to go, it was not because we were dissatisfied here. And it was not because I didn't enjoy my job. I, in fact, I loved it. Almost to a fault. Um, I mean, it was not hard for me to get up in the morning and go to work. And it was probably, I had to be intentional to come home if there was work to be done yet. Uh, that's the lifestyle that I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed our family. Our, our children were, we have seven children. They were all following the Lord. They were doing a great, we were having a good uh, time here in, or in Lancaster County at that point. But God called us, and at that point, there was no question whether we needed, whether I needed to heed that call or not. Um, it was quite clear, and it actually came through my children, which is unique, but it did. Um, and in that process, we sought after, we said, God, if you are calling us, then you need to go and, and again, sustain us in as we go. You know, continue to open those doors as we go. We are not, we are not dissatisfied with what we have, but we sense that you are saying that there is better and greater things for us. In walking with you. And he did that. Over and over and over again. And he continues to do that. We are in Thailand indefinitely. We don't know how long um, we're there. Most of our children are back now. We have our youngest 16 year old. And actually I should maybe put up. I don't know. I don't have a good picture. I was sitting here real quick. Trying to put a picture together. Let me just let me just throw this up. We have two married at this point. Um, 
But most of them, take a little bit maybe for it to come. There you go. That's a, be great if I could blow it up, but I couldn't blow up the picture. I'm not, I'm not savvy enough with IT to do that. But anyway, that is our children. Um, two of them are married, and then also our grandchildren. Uh, but And so most of them are back here, and there's a sense that draws us here. This, there is a sense of being at home when we're in the U.S., but there's also a sense of being at home over there. We have made wonderful friends, and I want to tell you, when you walk with the Lord, He sustains you, He comes around you, He gives you the desires of your heart. If you, if you seek after him. And today we love being in Thailand. It is not difficult for us to get on a plane to go back to Thailand. Even though we do have to say goodbye to our family and friends and children back here. It is also not necessarily difficult on that side to come this direction. So we've got a home at both sides. And I want to tell you, that's a beautiful way to live. Uh, we love it. Um, there is nothing, you know, when I'm sure you're hearing it, and I didn't talk to you, uh, Carrie, about this, but there's probably a sense where they're saying, but you're giving up so much, and, and you're probably feeling that. I would have felt that back 11 years ago. Uh, but I want to tell you, he has great things in store, and when you step through them, even though it is difficult, even though it is sometimes painful. There is great things on the other side, and your life will be more full in his presence and in his will than outside of that, or than in half of it. And I'm not saying the nations on the other side of the world is the only place. You all have a calling. You all have a place to be. And that if that is right here in Colorado, then God bless you. Walk in it. You will be full. You will be blessed. You will see great things. Even though it is difficult. But I, I want to say, in the midst of all that, there's a certain aspect of pity that I feel for the one that only sees home as their place because the world is a great place to see and I say that carefully I understand that you know some people don't like traveling um, I should maybe I'm not going to take the time you can if you want to see we have actually prayer cards in the back you can pick up that's a better picture of our family you want to do an? You want me to do an introduction? <laughs> okay, so, and I'll uh, to your right. Um, in the back is Chad. That's our oldest. He is currently boy. Now I'm getting real crazy with. He is tw he is 33. Just turned 33 back in May, and that's his wife in the front, uh, off to the right. And then they have three foster children that they're just in the process of adopting as of September 18th. It'll be finalized. So we're excited about that. She's holding the youngest, uh, Ion, and then Bea is right down uh, the, first, the far right. 
and Nafis is the second one from the left side in. So that's that's our oldest son. Next to Chad's wife is our daughter, Caitlin. She is, uh, just got back from serving in Cambodia and is now uh, doing some studies here and, and graduating with a teaching degree, hoping to come back to Asia next spring at some point. That She doesn't know exactly what that'll look like. Tyler is the, is the second one in from the right on the back. Um, that's our second son. He is moving to Cambodia as of next year. He is with YWAM currently and, and uh, moving to Cambodia next year. Zachary is all the way, is our third son all the way in the back there. Uh, he is with Kazakh, a new organization that is training for, um, for disaster, well, it's for search and rescue in disaster areas. He, he'll be traveling the world over and, and helping out with disaster situations. Sarah is the one right next to my wife, and my wife is Mary Ellen, by the way. And I want to say in the midst of that, you know what? When, when, you, have, when you walk with the Lord and, and have a, a woman beside you, there is so much strength in that. Um, it's twice the cost, but I get three times the amount of ministry out of in our situation. She is a wonderful woman to walk beside. But Sarah's our, our oldest or second oldest daughter, uh, right beside her. Uh, she's teaching uh, or she's administrating and teaching in a school, um, and possibly coming over into the, into Asia. Uh, in maybe a year and a half or so. Abby is with us. That's our youngest daughter. Uh, again, the third person in from the, from the left side there. And then Annie is married to Hans. Annie is our daughter, and they live in Lancaster County. Um, he's a bush pilot, and their pursuits are, again, across somewhere else in the world. So... Um, when you, one thing I will say in this, when you open up the world and, and actually travel the world, it gets pretty small. Um, it, it really does. I can be in the other side of the world within 24 hours. Uh, it's really not that big. And cross-cultural ministry is not a scary thing. Um, it's, it's something you need to learn to understand. It's another culture you need to learn to understand. But it's not a scary thing. It's actually an exciting thing. It's a culture to learn. It's a, it's a people group to try and understand. Um, and in the midst of that, suddenly, what used to be something that you were sort of apprehensive about becomes exciting. And that's, that's really what happened to our children. Uh, there is, I don't think there is one of our children that actually desires to live in the American culture 100% of their time. Uh, they think it's a bit dry, a bit boring. Uh, they love to see the excitement of what God is doing across the world. Now, so, Carrie, prepare yourself. Your children will probably go further than what you ever dreamed they would because you're launching them. 
you're actually exposing them to something um, that a lot of us walk with apprehension initially. And I understand that. I do too. Thailand is a country that only has 1% Christian. And only recently has it gone up to 1%. It used to be around three quarters of a percent. It's 1% evangelical Christian right now. That is one person out of every, or 10 people out of every thousand. One person out of every hundred. Uh, 10 people out of every thousand people that are there. It is now, it used to be over 90% Buddhist. It's now 88. That is, uh, that number is actually coming together a little bit. Although the larger por portion of those that are not Buddhist are saying that they have no religion um, and, and, again, are not following um, or are following themselves rather than God. Thailand is a beautiful country. Uh, it's a country that, that it's a people that is very, very hospitable. And I say that they put us Westerners to shame. We've had, we've had great hospitality at Carrie's this weekend. Um, and you match them. But, but they are very hospitable. Uh, I've had an experience already where I've been stranded alongside the road with a truck. Um, and I, to this day, don't know what happened. But I couldn't start the engine. It had nothing to do with the battery. Um, but along comes this wealthy businessman in a Mercedes, pulls up behind me and wanted to help. And I actually had about a half a dozen people wanting to, me, to help me at that point. That business person, I was about 45 minutes from home. That business person would have, I didn't accept the offer, but he would have taken me, he offered to take me the 45 minutes to my house. And, and get help to do whatever it takes to get that truck going. Um, in that process, again, hus the, the hospitality that they um, show puts a lot of us to shame um, in the West because we are driven towards accomplishing rather than relational. It's a very relational um, culture. In the midst of that, again, it is quite easy to sit down and have a conversation about religion, about Christ, about Buddhism or whatever. Um, you can actually sit down and talk to them. And that's why we have so many conversations and come to find out that they have no idea who Jesus is. And we can walk them through it and help them to actually get out of religion and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which is something everybody desires. We are people that want relationship. We desire relationship. They do too. They just don't have the opportunity of knowing him unless we go out there and tell. Buddhism is also a religion that is works-oriented, uh, very much works-oriented. In fact, their, their belief is that everything has, is cause and effect. Um, 
which we as Christians also understand that what you reap, you will sow, or what you sow, you will reap. Uh, same, same philosophy uh, in Buddhism, but in the midst of that, they don't understand, or they, there is no path to forgiveness in Buddhism. In fa- and that's a beautiful concept to tell them and show them the difference between our God and the one that they're worshiping or the, or the uh, religion that they're pursuing. They actually don't. Buddhist, uh, uh, Buddha was not a God, would say he was not a God. Uh, you become God yourself is their pursuit. But in that, everything that they, every, everything negative that happens to you is there for a reason in their concept. It's because you had done something evil in your past. You or your ancestors have done something evil. And because of that, you stub your toe. You have an accident. You lose your job. You, you know, all the negative that's coming is because of cause and effect, because of your past. Um, Again, a country that is wide open. When, when I moved there 11 years ago, I anticipated, and our pursuit was to come alongside natives in planting churches, and that's what we do. Um, I walk beside natives who have interest in starting a group of believers in their, in their community. And so I mentor and, and walk beside them on that process. And I would have, when, when we went there 11 years ago, I would have anticipated it's going to take a number of years until there's real fruit that we can measure. God had other plans. Uh, it was within a few months of us being there, we met a young man who then walked with us and we started a church. He actually walked with us for a period of time and then we came around him and, and have started a church. But in that process, within six months of us being there, I was having um, meetings with like 40, 50 college students uh, to just simply show them who Christ was. They are very open. They want truth, but don't know it and don't understand it in a lot of ways. And when I, when I initially started looking at that, I questioned, Lord, what took so long for me to get to this point? Why was I so hesitant in wanting to get out to your people The Thai people are his people, just like you and I are his people. Why did it take so long for me to get to the point of understanding that there's a people that don't know him, that have no opportunity of knowing him because they are not told? And it started making me understand the real... Sorry, I get emotional sometimes the needs that are out there. The 1040 window wants to know him, but can't because there's nobody there to tell them. 
So I, I get so excited when I hear of families wanting to go that direction because the needs are incredibly large. When we get to heaven, we're going to have the nations around us and we're going to be celebrating what Christ has done. There's no question. In that celebration, I think we're going to actually understand the greater picture of why you and I suffered and struggled through life to accomplish, again, his goals for us. Carrie, you're going to have some struggles. There is no question in my mind. But in the midst of those struggles, he can be glorified if you allow him. And that's for all of us in whatever situation we're in. Faith is a beautiful thing. Put it to work. Allow it to grow. Pursue it. One of the other things that Thailand is known for and it's devastating, is prostitution and child trafficking. There is estimated 30 to 40,000 children under the age, or 16 and under, that are in that um, environment there in Thailand. We, we recently came across a a home and global tribes uh, global tribes by the way i didn't i didn't even mention that we are we are there with under the umbrella of global tribes um, and global tribes has a children's home for at risk children that we have been working with for years they they um, they have about 40 children that come to that home but more recently we have, we have discovered and are now coming alongside another home, uh, a home of about 550 or 560-some children of, that are at risk. And in that process, it only opened up again the real need that's there. You have... So Thailand is a third-world country in the Senate because of its surrounding communities. Uh, it's very primitive out in, in the countryside, um, and, but the land is very productive. You don't see a lot of starvation, but they live from day to day, and they're uh, living in conditions that, that you and I would struggle to live in, um, you know, poverty um, situations. Because of that, it allows it allows those around them to exploit them quite easily. And that's what's happening in the child uh, pornography industry that's happening there. Uh, they go, you have individuals go out into these communities and promise these children good education, good jobs, um, you know, a, a better future. And they're quite easily convinced to come into the cities. And when they come into the cities, then they exploit them. Um, and that's why, and the sad thing about it is, 
the wealthy European and Western countries are the ones that are actually funding that exploitation. Um, it's your tourism that's, that's motivating and, and financing what's going on there. But having said that, coming back to the home, this, this home of 560 children that we just came across back in April of this past year, just five months ago, whatever it was, um, the 40% of those children are undocumented. And when I say undocumented, it means they have no documents whatsoever of who they are. Um, they come to the home at times without names. Most, or those 40, that 40%, a large percentage of them would have no birth date. Uh, they have a, they can usually sort of figure out their age, but not a birth date. They don't have a country that they can call home, including Thailand. Um, in some cases, they don't even know where they belong. Forty uh, percent of this home, that's the case. Again, had they not gotten to that home and the beauty, and I want to give you a little story of faith uh, out of this home, but had they not come to this home, they would have been primed to be exploited for human trafficking or um, slavery or, you know, multiple situations. Again, you and I don't understand, and I, I think I can say that with, with 100% um, accuracy here. We, because I live in the midst of it, and yet I still struggle to fully understand the depth of some of the needs that are there. Because, again, my background has been so sheltered. We have been so blessed to be, be given a Christian upbringing, a place where Jesus was spoken on a regular basis, where Sunday school was a, um, a common occurrence in my past. But that doesn't mean that I'm not responsible. In fact, it means I'm more responsible in God's eyes. We, as His children, are called to go and make disciples of the nations. That mandate was given in Matthew 28. And, it, and it's interesting. It says, go make disciples. It's, it, it, we're not called to go save people. In fact, I can't save them. That's the Spirit's job. He will, he will step in and actually save them, bring them out. It's Jesus Christ who saves them. But it's the Holy Spirit who does the, does the drawing there. But you and I are called to go and make disciples. Go and make His name known. Go and make His wish known. To not necessarily just your neighbor. 
but to the nations, it says. That's a big, tall order. But I challenge us to take it seriously. Because the millions of years of eternity will be celebrated not by what you have built here, not by what you have created here, but what you have done for him here. I didn't get into scripture even here yet. I do want to show a a clip that again, and I said I'd give a story, a faith story. I didn't ask what time you guys end. Well, that, now you're asking. That could be trouble. What time do you normally end? 12 o'clock? So 20 minutes? Okay. Um, I, I'll give a faith story. And this is of the, of the home um, that we just recently are interacting with of 566 children, I think, they have at this point. But this, I call her young lady. She's probably in her 60s. Um, But she has a, a young spirit that's just so beautiful. She was a strong, staunch Buddhist living in this town uh, owned a business, had was married, had a, a son, was living a dream life in in uh, a lot of people's um, idea of what a dream life would be, and suddenly everything was taken from her. She lost her husband. The business uh, deteriorated. And I'm not exactly sure how that all, what all took place there, if that was because of her husband or um, what caused the business to disintegrate. But suddenly she found herself in, in a, a, a place of desperate need and wanted to kill herself. In that process, the Lord knew who she was. And there was a Thai individual believer who came around her and asked her to go along with her to church and and showed her who Christ was. And she became a believer. In the midst of that process, she started asking, what can I do for my Lord? Because now she again had hope. She wanted to kill herself, and from there she moved into hope. And she recognized there was five children that had formerly been with the business, or um, she had interacted with there in the business, who were now on the street and desperately needed help. And because of that, she took them in and said, I want to take care of these children. She had no means at that point. In fact, she was at a poverty level herself, decided to take on five children. In that process, she also recognized that 
what she believed prior in superstition and things was not accurate, and God was her hope, not superstition. And because of that, because of the superstition of Thailand, uh, there was a house in her village that was haunted. Uh, Somebody had died there, and at that point their spirit stays, and they will vacate the house uh, because it's haunted. She didn't believe that, so she went to the homeowner and asked if she could move into that house with her five children, and she was granted it at no cost. You can have the house. It wasn't necessarily deeded to her, but she could live there at no cost. She did that, and suddenly the community started seeing her testimony and her... um, desire to help. And she took, she went from five children up to 80 children in a few years' time at that house. In that process, again, a local individual gave her two and a half acres, about five rye, which is about two and a half acres of land, so that she could actually take better care of the 80 children than in this house, which I can't imagine uh, the space, the cramped space conditions that were in that house. So now she has two and a half acres with no buildings on it. And she prays and asks the Lord to multiply. The faith story is just incredible. What does the Lord do? He comes along another Thai Christian and shows him the verse that you need to sell all you have and give to the poor and follow me. And he was wealthy. He chose to do that. He gave the money to her. He's not involved with the home. He didn't sense that that was his call. But he sold everything he has, his business, everything he had, and gave it to her. She built the buildings that now house 560-some children. Faith is incredible to walk in. She prays daily for provision. She has no external organization around her to this day, and it's 20-some years that she's been running this place. We're helping her by, by giving, uh, giving her some space or, or making her needs known to some degree. But she walks, and, and it just happened a month ago. The power company came in to shut down the electric. She couldn't pay it. She didn't have provision. But one of the individuals that we were able to connect there happened to be there and had resources and paid it. And she's continuing on. That's the privilege we have of walking beside. That's the privilege we have because we live in Thailand. I want to tell you, our lives are full 
because we have made the choice to follow him. And your life will be just as full as you choose to follow him. I challenge you. It's not necessarily easy. It's not necessarily always financially healthy. But it will be a life that you will take into eternity that will be full and blessed. Our Lord is a great God. We've had that we've had numerous privileges. At this point, I walk beside about five churches there. You know, some of the challenges that we face is young believers who are living in sin all their life and have no idea of the the need that they've had in the past and suddenly they're opened up to Christ and what Christ wants to do with them and they need to step away from their gay relationship or their um, situation where they have ten wives. Um, And as we walk through those situations, again, it makes you cry out. It makes you yearn and say, Lord, why haven't they heard? And what does that mean for today? And I don't have the answers. But his word does. And so we pour out his word into their um, for them to to struggle over and have this and pray into that the spirit gives them wisdom it's not what i have to offer it's what god's word has to offer that can be stood on that can actually change the lives of young men we have the same thing here in the us to a degree. There is individuals who are lost, who need him. But they need him, not you or I. What you and I's job is, is to make him known to them. One of the, one of my experiences, um, and I say this, you know, as 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 we uh, uh, maybe you're not all like me, but we all I think have a desire to see great things, right? It's exciting to actually see a multitude come to Him, right? Um, who wouldn't want to go and be thrown into a fiery lion's den and walk out alive, or? Uh, you know, be be thrown into the fire that's what seven times hotter than than it was originally, and walk around in it and not be burned. That all looks exciting, but in order for that to happen, 
obedience had to be there first. And as we look at faith, and I'll just go in here real briefly here in the next, in the next 10 minutes. Um, as, as you look at faith, one of the things that I have learned is that you can't expect your faith to be strong and vibrant and grow unless you first obey. What did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have to do for the great miraculous experience of walking around in the fire and not not being burnt? They first of all had to obey the will of the Father in the sense that they wouldn't bow down. The second thing that they did is made his name known. How did they do that? When they got called in front of the king? What did they say? Oh, we're not afraid. Because we, you can throw me in that fire and I'm not going to burn. Is that what they said? No, they didn't. And I want to imagine, I imagine their hearts were pounding pretty aggressively at that point. Mine would have been. In fact, I don't know that I could have held it inside. It would have been, I think I'd have been having a heart attack. Uh, but, but they went up to the king and they said that our God, they made his name known, our God has the power to save us. And even if he chooses not to, it's not a question of whether he can or not, But if he chooses not to save us, we are still going to obey. We still will not bow down. And suddenly, what happened? The nations became known to God the Father. Suddenly, God the Father was in front of everybody that understood or was in that um, was in that area. Because the king said, there's no question who is God here. And instead of them walking in shame, they were walking in triumph. Because they obeyed, And in the midst of that, God was able to work. They obeyed and made him known. And God became known to millions in a day's act. You and I have that same opportunity. But we have to obey and make him known. You know, it's easy to walk and say, well, I go to church. I do all this stuff in obedience. And that is a great thing. But if you're doing it in the midst without making him known, people don't understand why you are doing what you're doing. You're missing an opportunity. God wants his name to be known. Daniel did the same thing. 
Joseph did the same thing. The early church did the same thing. It was because of God. When Joseph was down in Potiphar's house, Potiphar recognized that the Lord was with him. Why was that? Because he wanted his name to be known. It doesn't say that Joseph spoke about the Lord. But I can only imagine that Joseph gave recognition to the Lord. And because that Potter foresaw that whatever Joseph put his hands on prospered. Because the Lord prospered him. He didn't say because Joseph was some supernatural. No, it was because the Lord prospered him. If you're walking around and taking in the glory yourself, it will not happen. But if you walk around and make, obey him, do what he does, go to Thailand when you're called, go to wherever you're called and make his name known, you can expect supernatural things to happen. And I can say you can expect supernatural things will happen. And your life will be full. One of the experiences that I had is a number of years ago. We were going to church, and I was in charge of the Wednesday evening services. And as we were going, and I'm more task-oriented. My wife is more relational-oriented. Um, and that's why she knows everybody. But, um, but anyway, we were on our way to church. And as we left our driveway, and we're going on the way to church, already pretty tight in time, which is not unusual for our family, but anyway, uh, we seem to, time somehow gets away. But, but we were on our way to church, and suddenly there was a, a motorbike alongside of the road, a motorcycle, crotch rocket, with, uh, and wasn't, you could tell it was in trouble. I mean, they couldn't start it or something. And without thinking, I went to, you know, right past. I'm on the way to church. It's high time, and I'm speaking that night. And, um, and she stopped me, and she said, they need help. I think we should help. Well, the great person that she is, I agreed, and we turned around, and you know what? I helped her. I, I got out, and I said, you know what? I'll bring my motorbike um, instead of the truck. You take the truck and get there and tell people I'll be there after a bit. And I get out, and I was there trying to help this high-heeled lady that was heading to the parties. There was no question. I mean, she was dressed to the whatever. And anyhow, in high heels, trying to ride a crotch rocket. It, and the two don't go together. I'm sorry. It just didn't go together. And she's there trying to, you know, it was kickstart, and you have to, with her high heels, oh, what a mess. Anyway, and it wouldn't start. So I came up and I said, do you mind if I try? And it wouldn't start for me either. And I'm not a mechanic. I mean, when it comes to figuring out where the spark plug is, man, it takes me a little bit, you know. Uh, it, it's just I'm not a mechanic. But in the midst of that, suddenly I heard a voice say, ask me for your help. And it was the Holy Spirit talking. And so I just asked her, Right there, I said, do you mind if I pray over this? I'm a Christian, and do you mind if I pray and ask the Lord to start the bike? You talk about being in an awkward position. If it wouldn't have started, I don't know. Anyway, 
in it, uh, nobody ever denies you. That is one of the one of the best things you can do for uh, to make his name known is just simply pray. Just say, you know, you're in a you're in a tough situation or whatever. Do you mind if I pray? Or if there's an exciting event, hey, I know the excitement is high. Do you mind if I pray? Nobody ever turns you down. I want to tell you, it's a great way to do it. Anyway, I asked for that. And I said, do you mind if I pray? I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. And my Lord can start this if he wants it started. And so, of course, she said no. Uh, She doesn't have a problem if I pray. Um, And so I prayed. I said, Lord, I don't know the situation here. I'm not a mechanic, but will you help me start this bike? The next kick, it started right off. And off she goes to wherever she was headed. Now, hopefully she found another way from what I think she might have been going to. But, but um, in that process, it was a, simple, it was a faith-building situation for me. In that process, I made my Lord known to her. Now, I don't know who she is, and I've never met her that I know since. I don't know what God did in her life, and it doesn't really matter what God did in her, in her life, except that I think God was asking me to obey and ask. And because I obeyed and made him known, he honored the request. And it was a tremendous faith builder for me. Will I see her in heaven? I have no reason to believe yes or no. But I believe part of eternity will be simply seeing some of those puzzles come together. And it would not surprise me. I'd sit on the grass and somebody will walk up to me and say, you know what, you told me this. Or you did this. And because of that, it made me think. And because of the process, I came to Christ. And that will be some of the crown of the stars that are in our crown. And in Revelation, it talks about stars in our crown. In that process, though, I also believe that we will see the magnificence of our Lord. And it will pale what we've done. And because of that, we're going to throw those crowns on the floor and say, I am not worthy. What you did for me was so much greater than what I ever could have imagined. And I'm not worthy. But you and I are walking on this earth for a purpose. And as you and I walk on this earth and, and... Minister, make him known. We benefit, but ultimately, he benefits. There's a verse that I want to read in closing. get to it. In James chapter 2, and it's a familiar passage. We didn't get to Hebrews 11 at all, but that's a great faith chapter. And sometime look into Hebrews 11. Look at each one of those men 
that were named and their, quote, faith accomplishment. And then read the story of the accomplishment and put yourself into the situation before it was actually completed and say, am I willing to walk in that? Abraham was 90-some years old, had been promised to be a, uh, to be a man of great nation, of a great nation. In other words, have descendants that you can't even count. And he's asked to give up the only descendant that he had. That's life. If you want it full, then embrace that life. The unknown is exciting. Oh, it's sometimes scary as... I don't know what, what word to put behind that. But it's exciting. And life is full if you embrace it in the midst of his will. I'm going to read this verse and then I didn't show our clip yet. I'll just show that. Uh, maybe we can, I don't know, Phil, are you closing down at the end? I'll show the clip and then we'll let you close at that. It says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith? but does not have works. In other words, has nothing to show for it. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give to them the things which are needed for their body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have work, is dead. I challenge us in that. It's easy to say I believe. And because of that, I am doing this, that, and the other thing. But unless you exercise your faith, unless there is action, around your faith. It is worthless. It is dead, according to James chapter 2. Let's live in the fullness of faith and allow him to build that within us. What concerned me 11 years ago and what concerns me today is two complete different things. Why? Because I've experienced him. I'm going to uh, play the video and then I'll turn it over to, to you, Phil. Oop, hit the wrong one. What did I do there? Deleted it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you can tell where I'm at with computers. Let me go back in here. Oh, I deleted it permanently. Okay, we'll go into YouTube then. That's family 23, right? 
There it is. Mm-hmm. See.